Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We are right now in the middle of the first section of the Crosstown series. The Cubs are coming off a two and five road trip. They lost a brutal game in game one against the White Sox. And things are uh, very up and down right now. There's a lot of frustration, a lot of disappointment. We're going to get to all of that and more. We're also going to play a little bit of an evaluation game. So stick around. We got lots to talk about. Adam, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Howdy ho. Good, good. I am also doing well, even though you didn't ask, but I don't care. I'm telling you I'm yeah, doing fine. Uh, oh, I, I, I didn't forget. I just didn't want to ask. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, so I think the lead story right now in all of Chicago baseball was that Cubs-Sox game last night at Wrigley Field, one which a Mr. Eloy Jimenez hit one Who? way out. Never heard of that guy before. Really? Would you like me to educate you on him? Yeah, I don't think that I don't think I've ever heard a Cubs fan mention him or a White Sox fan. No idea well, who that guy is. Well, let's just say he's one of the top prospects in baseball. And oh, yeah, he, that guy. The guy who we got burned on in the Q trade. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of coming back to me. A lot of people, and by people, I mean Cubs fans, were grimacing mentioning the name Quintana the past week um, because Quintana had a pretty meh start in Los Angeles. He's overall been pretty meh lately. Uh, not bad, not great, which can kind of sum up his whole Cubs tenure, honestly, or at least the last year of it. Um, and Eloy Jimenez is red hot right now. He is hitting home runs left and right, still considered one of the top prospects in baseball. And against the organization that basically brought him in, he had a game-winning two-run home run. It was an absolute bomb. And wow, it was uh, almost fitting. I don't. I don't know if you were watching the game or following it. Did you have any feelings when that happened? Uh, I actually didn't get to watch that game at all. I just had to check the box score when I got home, and as soon as I saw that Eloy hit a game-winning home run, my initial reaction was, "Well, of course, because why wouldn't it be that way?" But man, the the Crosstown Classic always seems to be a huge disappointment for the Cubs, and this year apparently is no exception. And for them to win it like that with Eloy hitting the the bomb, I could see how Cubs fans would be as frustrated as they've been all season long. I mean, that really is a kick in the teeth. Yeah, I I think for me, really, I, I try to put the whole Crosstown thing aside Everything aside, um, you just can't help but notice it when it's something that's talked about a lot in terms of the Cubs giving up Eloy Jimenez to uh, the other team in town. But um, I think regardless of who hit it and who was against, I mean, it was another really frustrating loss last night. They faced a very struggling pitcher in Ivan Nova. They couldn't do anything off him except for the first pitch in which Schwarber hit out. Since then, nothing. They made a few mental gaffes in the game, an error on Baez. Uh, You had Chris Bryant hit a pop-up, which he put his head down and kind of slowed up instead of running it out, and the ball ended up dropping, and he was only at first base. That was actually right before the Eloy bomb. 
Uh, so it was just a really frustrating game overall. After losing a very frustrating game in Los Angeles, in which you had two on, nobody out in the ninth, and you couldn't rally and win it. Also, earlier in that game, you took the lead and you immediately surrendered it. That road trip, I think, kind of fueled more of the anger last night. Like, it was kind of a boiling point because, whew, I'll tell you, Cubs fans online last night were not happy. No, I mean, and I can't blame them either, but it's it's not really that surprising to me, though, because Ivan Nova, honestly, it, it's kind of he's kind of the pitcher that the Cubs tend to struggle against. Yep. I mean, it, I mean, if they if they were going up against Clayton Kershaw tomorrow, I would expect them to have a much better time against him than they. I mean, that's just who this team is. I mean, we we should all be used to it by now. This lineup. Uh, likes to struggle against meatball kind of pitchers. And, you know, maybe you could make the case that there was some bad BABIP luck last night. I mean, Nova only had 1K in that outing. And there there was some hard contact. But, I mean, it is just one game, though. And it, the Cubs could win tonight and they could win tomorrow. And, and all will be forgiven. But Crosstown Classic aside, they have been skidding pretty hard here lately. And... I don't know if this is indicative of who this team is or if this is just a bad stretch. I'm more inclined to believe that it's the latter. Well, you know, I think we got to be very thankful right now for the Milwaukee Brewers not really taking advantage of the Cubs slump. They just got swept in San Diego by the Padres and they lost two or three to the Giants. And the Giants are not a very good team, but, you know, the Giants still beat them two games out of three. Well, so, you know, it's kind of fortunate. See, the, the, the thing is with that is, you know, the Brewers are doing pretty much what I think we expected them to do. For the Brewers to be a dominant team that finishes in first place, you know, several games ahead of the Cubs, they would have to really, really overperform. Because I think that's what they did last year with the pitching staff that they've got. Mm-hmm. I think they're right about where they should be. The Cubs, yeah, on the we, other, we saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. The Cubs, on the other hand, are underperforming. I think with the staff that they've got. Granted, their bullpen's pretty shaky, and most people expected that to be the case. And help is on the way. But even you know, Craig Kimbrell pitching in the ninth. That you know, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna change anything for the for the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. You know, that's that's gonna be the same struggle it's been. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, on paper, the Cubs are, are a much better team than the Brewers, but they're not really playing like it. And like I said, I'm more inclined to believe that this is just a rough stretch that they're having. I don't think that this is who they are. You know, I, I like to think that they've already proven Pakoda wrong, but if they keep, if they stay on the trajectory that they're on now, then maybe they won't be. Well, I think we can evaluate the ups and downs of the past week plus, and I think it's fair to say, to me, the biggest problem with this team right now is the fact that the depth is not producing. I mean, the guys around the core, they're they're just not producing. You're not getting a lot of production from your bench guys or your guys at the bottom of the order. I mean, Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, and Javi, they can't carry this team. You need your team up and down to produce. And we're just not seeing that right now. Obviously well, the bullpen has had its ups and downs, but I think and, that's one of the big problems. And that's why I'm not really all that worried because this isn't, 
this isn't really any different than what we've seen from the Cubs the past couple years. I mean, th- these guys, their performance fluctuates a lot. And if there's one thing we've learned about this Cubs squad, it's that they're really streaky. And I don't think, you know, you can't read too much into the good or the bad with this team. And I, I think that more often than not, we we find out that things even out for this team. You know, I I don't think this is a losing ball club from here until October. I just don't think I that's sure the case. And, you know, there's there's some encouraging signs, too. I mean, it, it hasn't been all bad. I mean, Hamels pitched really well last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got Hamels. You have Anthony Rizzo. I, that win in Los Angeles, I mean, how big was that? I mean, that they really needed that. I, several guys needed that. Obviously, Rizzo has come up clutch on a number of occasions, but you had you Darvish throwing his best game as a Cub. That was huge. Yeah, you had Pedro Strope with a great save. That was huge. I was I was super pumped uh, on that Rizzo homer, uh, more for Darvish than for the team in general because I hear that because because that was I I think that was by far Darvish's best start of the season, and so I I was really gonna hate to see it if he had to take a loss in his best start of the year. So that you know I. I hope that that does a lot for his mental game. You know that he said it himself that you know going back to Dodger Stadium and putting up a performance like that maybe you know sort of exercised his demons from yeah, the he found closure. He said he could move on now. Yeah, and let's hope that's true. Um, that can do a lot for your confidence as a pitcher. Just getting that that gem out of the way because he's been waiting for it all year long and. He finally got it, and it, you know, obviously we can't expect Darvish to put up that kind of performance every single time he goes out there. But if he can just go six or seven innings each time and and not give up five or six runs, you know, that's really all fans are asking of him yep. at this point. Nobody's nobody's expecting him, I think, to be prime ace Texas Rangers you Darvish anymore. I think. Certainly, that's not outside the realm of, of possibility that he could be that guy consistently. But I don't think that it would be fair to expect that of him, and I don't think anybody realistically expects that of him. Uh, so, you know, all things aside, you know, there, there's reasons to be optimistic for this team right now, despite this uh, slow stretch that they've had. And and I think that just having Kimbrel, you know, I know Kimbrel isn't going to solve all their bullpen issues. But I think just having somebody like that join the team could give sort of a jolt to the rest of the roster, if you know. Yeah, I mean. you yeah, you would certainly hope. I I definitely hope that's the case, um, and I I could see it. I mean, one guy can come in and make a big difference. That's the beauty of baseball. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's like Anthony Rizzo has, has said too that getting a guy like Kimbrel is is good for everybody's psyche because it tells you that that management believes in the team and and they're going for it, you know, because I think we talked about this on the last show too, is that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer said in the preseason that if things went south in a hurry for the Cubs to start the year, they wouldn't be afraid to make some trades uh, that, you know, they didn't state specifically, but I think they were sort of hinting at the fact that they would sell some assets yeah, absolutely. To sort of replenish the farm system if it wasn't looking like they were actually going to be in the hunt. And I believed them 100% when they said that. And so for them to go out and get Kimbrel tells us that they believe this Cubs team can win it all. 
So I think that that should do a lot for the confidence of the rest of the team. And I'm not sure where we're at exactly on the timetable of Kimbrel. Uh, I know his next outing is going to be Friday in AAA. They're kind of spacing yeah. it out a little bit, which is fine. If it takes a little bit to get him right, I'd rather him come back and be right than not. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we're roughly looking at, what, like a week, week and a half, something like that? Yeah, roughly. Around roughly. there, yeah. You, you, we'll see. I mean, things can happen. Uh, hopefully nothing bad. It's just, it's sometimes hard to predict these things, but that sounds like the rough estimate of what we're looking at here. I mean, that'll help. That was the most glaring hole was a, a bona fide closer. And as much as I love Pedro Strope, I just don't think that he's he's the right guy for that closer role. And I, he's he'll be much better in the eighth inning. I agree. I agree fully. All right, well, we're going to play a little evaluation game because that's what we do. We like to evaluate. We like to analyze. Uh, So here are the rules of the game. I'm going to go through the key position players and starting pitchers, and we're going to give them a simple evaluation. And here is the scale. Great, good, okay, mediocre slash blah, and bad. So I'm going to read my list, and you give me your feedback. Agree, disagree, kind of agree, kind of in between. Uh, So that's what we're going to do. Does that seem pretty clear, right? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so let's just get started. Uh, I have two guys in the great. I I have four guys with great slash good, but the two guys I have as great are Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. Okay. All right. Um, Anthony Rizzo, I I pretty much agree with you there. I mean, he he had a slow start to the year like he did last year. Well, he always which, does. Which which wasn't surprising. Yeah, that's pretty much normal for him. But he's he's picked it up in a way that nobody else on the team has. Um, you know, if, if Chris Bryant, if he didn't have the reputation that he has, I I would be more inclined to say just good. I mean, if this was if this was a new guy, it, you know, coming out of nowhere, then on paper his numbers you'd you'd be inclined to say they're great. But I think for Chris Bryant, I would say just good. And I think part of that is 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 it's not his overall body of work this year. It's just the fact that he's really streaky. It's kind of all or nothing right. with him. He's not really consistently having great nights every night. He's just he has stretches of great nights and then stretches of horrible nights. And I think right now we're sort of in the midst of something a little bit in between. He's not playing his best baseball right now. And if you had to compile a list of MVP candidates, I'm not sure Chris Bryant would be in the top five on that list. And that's kind of where he's that's that's sort of the reputation he's built for himself at this point. And so the fact that he's he's not in that group at the moment, I, I, I would say I would go with good for Chris Bryant. I agree with great on Rizzo. I'm I'm going just with good on Bryant. And I fully understand that. I get what you're saying. He came into this game 282, 397, 544. He leads the team in F4 2.9. But yeah, I know the streakiness. I get exactly what you're saying. The the ceiling of this ceiling has been fantastic, but it hasn't consistently been there. Well, and so see here. Here's the other. Here's the other difference I think between Rizzo and Bryant is a lot of Rizzo's outs are hard hit outs. A lot. Oh of yeah, them. in that a shift, lot of yeah. them, and mm-hmm. a lot of Chris Bryant's outs are are K's. 
and that's that's a pretty key difference too i think yeah i I mean it's let's let's not go full meatball on the whole clutch thing but who would you rather have to it there's something to it i mean i mean hitting is hitting obviously but i mean there's a mental aspect to that too i mean some guys some guys crumble in in clutch situations and some guys don't i mean it's I, I think that maybe that that scenario gets a little more attention than it deserves, but I, I also don't agree that there's nothing to it that hitting is hitting no matter what the situation is. No, I, of I'm course with it's, you it's, there. It's, it's totally it's totally different, you know. Hitting hitting in the third inning of a regular season game is is worlds apart from hitting, you know, in the bottom of the ninth of a tie game in the playoffs. Right. No, it's it's there. I, I think there was definitely something to it. My whole point was as good as Chris Bryant is, I still like having Anthony Rizzo in that must like get on, get hit. And he's like, let's like in the bottom of the ninth, you're down by a run and there's guys on. I go to Rizzo first. Yes. Because he totally always agree puts together you. a great at bat in that situation. Yeah. If I, if I have to pick somebody in a do-or-die situation, it's 100% Anthony Rizzo. Now, Chris Bryant can put up the more productive numbers like as a whole across the board, but in those situations, I go to Rizzo because yes. of how, how good he is at at-bats. You, you know, the way he chokes up on the bat with yeah. two strikes, it, that, that whole approach. Totally agree with you. So, Javi and Willie. I have them in the between good and great. If you'd have asked me a few weeks ago, I'd say, well, of course, Javi's in the great. He is second in F4 behind KB on the team. And look what he's doing. I mean, he's not doing bad right now, but he's slumped a little bit. We've seen him go through some rough patches. And I mean, that's going to happen. It's going to happen to everybody. We've seen things decline a little bit since that ankle injury. Uh, so that's why I kind of have him in between. Willie, you could probably argue great for his position. I mean, he yeah. came in 287, 387, 530. He had two home runs today so far. Uh, but I, I, he had that really bad stretch a few weeks ago. I think good is accurate for Willie. Yeah. But I mean, either way, I can't complain about Wilson Contreras as a whole. Boy, and if we if we'd have done this show, even just if we'd have done this game last week, on last week's show, I, I think I almost would have put Baez in the great category. Um, but yeah, man, he's he's been having a real rough go of it lately, and his average has dropped something like thirty points in the last week and a half, couple weeks. I mean, he he's really been struggling, and we've seen a little more of the Javi of old uh, whiffing on balls down and away. And but I, I I don't think it's really a reason to panic though either. I think you know there's there's really no reason to believe that Javi can't pick it back up and and play at that level again. I mean, tons of people expected Javi to to start the season that way to you yes. know, so, to look like the Javi of old. Nobody. You know, nobody thought it was realistic to 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 see him repeating what he did in 2018, but that's what he's done up until just recently. And so, you know, I think Javi is just, you know, like a lot of the rest of this team, he's just having a bit of a cold stretch, and I think yeah. he'll pick it back up. Yeah, certainly nothing to worry about at all. And yeah, and even and even if the bat's not 
quite there right now. The defense is still terrific, and and when he gets on base, the base running is still top notch in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now we move on to David Bodie. He came in two seventy two, three forty eight, four seventy eight, or uh, yeah, four seventy eight. Mm-hmm. Good. He's a Bodie, good player. Bodie gets good. Yes, he gets good. That's I don't I don't see how you could argue better or worse than good. Right. For Bodie. I yeah, I think that's exactly where that's that's probably the most uncontroversial of all of them, I think. Yep, gets a solid good. Mhm. Now we go to Schwarber. So, 16 home runs coming into today. The on-base percentage is 326. The F4 is 0.7. I say okay. He's been very streaky. He's been better lately. He's been hitting the ball very hard. I think the fact that he's given you 16 home runs, I'd say okay. Man, we got to stop agreeing with each other. That's boring, but yeah, I'm I'm right there with you that I'm I'm in the okay range too. Um you know, you 16 homers, that's good. That's that's fine. Batting average not great. Uh walk rate is is just meh. You know, it's it's not bad, but it's it's certainly not much better than average either. And 34 RBI to go along with 16 homers means that, you know, almost half of his RBIs are just him. So, yeah, I think Schwarber is pretty firmly in the okay range. Absolutely. Okay, so here's a guy. I know you like him, but Albert Amora Jr., I got to give him a mediocre blah right now. 250, 292, 405, a 0.6 F4. Good fielder, pounds the ball on the ground a lot. He is one home run shy of his career high, so I feel like he's been hitting the ball at the ballpark at a better rate. But uh, overall, I just got to give him a mediocre blah on this one. Um, I I'll put him in the the okay range because I you know I I think for you have to factor in how often these guys are playing too, and if if Albert Almora was an everyday guy who is playing mostly every day, just getting a day off here or there. Then I'd be tougher on him, but you know when he when he's he's more of a bench guy and getting some spot starts, you know, more frequent than that. But I think with with the hand he's been dealt, I think he's been okay. My issue with fans is that they would disagree with that and say that he's just been bad, just generally bad, which I'm not sure is a fair shake. You know he's he's had his moments where he's been less than mediocre for sure. But I think for his role, he's been okay. That's the way I'll put it. So moving on, um, Jason Hayward. This one is going to bring together some controversy because nah. people will look at Jason Hayward and say, 253, oh, he's bad. But here's here's his line. 253, 351, 416, 10 home runs. I'd I'm- say Okay. I'm going with okay on Hayward too. Yeah. Yeah. Streaky. He's, he's been streaky as well. He had a a pretty good start to the season and then he, he had a, a nice little slump there for a while. And then just recently now he's been playing better and the defense is still good as always. So yeah, I, okay is right where Hayward belongs. Now here's the funny thing. His 
defensive rating on fan graphs right now is a negative 3.3. But I think the reason that it's there is because he has played a lot more center field this year. And he's a natural right fielder. That's that's another reason not to put too much stock into defensive metrics. I mean, if if there's controversy, if, if you watch all of these games and you look at the numbers and you see that defensive rating for Hayward and, and you it makes you scratch your head a little bit, then I, that should tell you something. You know, you know, trust the eye test. If 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 what you see, if you think what you're seeing is accurate, then you're probably right. I mean. I don't think anybody who's watched most of these Cubs games would come to the conclusion that Hayward is not a good defensive player. Oh, of course not. That's that's just not true at all. Now, here here's what I will say about Jason Hayward, and you know, we're deep enough into his Cubs tenure now that this isn't really much of a topic anymore. But the level of signing that he was, the you know as highly regarded as he was, if we're going based off that, then he gets bad just because of the, the initial expectations. But we're, we we're so used to him now underperforming compared to what he, we thought he was going to do that we're, we're, we're going with okay because he's, he's performing basically about as well as, as we, thought he could this this appears to be his ceiling with the cubs now i mean but we thought initially that he was going to be like a 290-ish hitter who could hit close to 20 home runs and obviously that ship has sailed for him now so i think that he's he's sort of changed expectations for himself he's not really the player we thought he was going to be so these numbers are okay not as good as they could have been. It's disappointing, but I think we've all just gotten used to the fact that Jason Hayward is is not really an all-star caliber player anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something very valid to that. I think everybody has kind of tampered their expectations with Hayward because we went from thinking all-star hitter to, well, I just hope he hits around 270 this year. Uh, you know, you look, you look at that slash, 253. 351 on base, 416. I mean, take away the money. Just take that away. Take away who it is. You look at that slash, and you you say oh, that's that's okay. He yeah, on base is above man, average. That's really that's really something though. Because think about that. If if you had told fans before the 2016 season that Hayward was going to hit 270, we'd be really disappointed by that. If you told fans before this season that he was going to hit 270, we'd feel like we won the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Because remember, Hayward in St. Louis, he batted like 293. I think his on base was around 350 plus. He was over a 5F4 that year. And he was he was over a 5F4 that year in one of his last years in Atlanta. And then in between those two years, he was like a 4-something. So, yeah, it, you see how much has changed in terms of yeah. his hitting expectations. Well, and and as far as the power numbers go too, he's only had one season in his 10 years that he hit more than 20 home runs. And so I'm not sure the the expectation, you know, the the talking point of him being a potential 20 home run guy. I'm not sure that was ever really fair. No. to, to expect no, it, that of him. I think that 27 home run season he had at at this point we should 
we should just accept the fact that that was a one-off. It was an anomaly and not ever going to be the norm for him. It was clear pretty early on when Jason Hayward was a highly touted young name coming into the MLB. I mean, when he was coming up, he was supposed to be the next big superstar. And though he had many good seasons before he came to the Cubs, the power outside that one season, it was clear that that was one thing that just never developed at any point outside that one season. So even when he came here, when I was expecting like a 290, 360 some slash, I thought, okay, he's probably going to hit around 15 homers. That was kind of my expectation. Yeah, I th- I think 15 is is realistic. That's probably a good power season for him. And and that's 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 pretty much what we've seen from him. I mean, obviously last year and the power hasn't been there for the Cubs, but it it, kind of, it looks like it could be coming back this year. I mean, he's are he's already double digits, isn't he? Yeah, I think he could definitely get 15, yeah. maybe more. 15, 15 is definitely reasonable at this point, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so moving on, uh, we have Victor Caratini, who right now is slashing 295, 394, 459. Through most of the year when he's played, I'd say good. And it's still good, so I put him as good. Though it is worth noting that he's been slumping lately, this past week or so. It's been rough. Yeah, but he he's another player kind of like Almora where you have to factor in that he's not playing as often as the rest of these guys and so he's more susceptible to sharp declines like that because his his numbers are going to change more dramatically. He's had less at bats, he's had less playing time, he's going to have a little more rust than some of these guys. Uh so he's another guy who I would say for the role that he's filling, he's been very good. And yeah. and more so than Almora. I think he's I think he's definitely exceeded most people's expectations this year. Yeah. And the other thing you got to consider is not only the hitting, but he seems to work very well with a number of the pitchers on his team. He's catching Darvish, He's catching Hamels and that's worked out pretty well. Overall, you've seen his framing is a bit better. You see his defense is solid behind the plate. So he's doing things that you like, not yeah. other than just hitting. Well, and, and and I like the fact that he is starting to get used a little more, even if that means that we're we're seeing some slumps from him here and there. I think it's worth it. And and fans have been complaining lately about Wilson Contreras playing time that he hasn't been playing enough. I actually think that's great. I think that he's been worked so hard these past few years that he was due for a little more time off. And I think that it's wise for the team to do that. I think that they need to save him and save his energy a little bit so that he feels a little more fresh down the stretch when things really matter. So I, I think it's a good thing that Caratini is starting to get a little more playing time because, I, frankly, I think Contreras needs it. Whether he whether he would admit it or not, I mean, these guys are professional athletes. Obviously, most of them probably want to play every single game. But you, you just can't do it, especially with Willie, who's been worked harder than any other starting catcher in the league these last two years. He he just needs a little more rest than usual, I think. Yeah, I know people are kind of disappointed now that Caratini's getting more playing time, but everyone was calling for Wilson to get more off time. So, yeah, you can't have you it know. both ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the one argument that I've seen that makes sense is last night, 
in the game against the White Sox, against Ivan Nova, when Cole Hamels was out of the game, I think you could have pinch hit Wilson Contreras there because he has worn out White Sox pitching all all of his career, really. So I think that is a valid argument. But, you know, other than that, I like the fact that Wilson seems a bit more fresh when he plays. Yes. Okay, so moving on. Uh, this is where things get kind of bad. Uh, this is a small sample size. It's been like, what, 11 games he's played in. The Carlos Gonzalez experiment, so far, 194, 297, 355. Uh, I know in total he's a 0.1 F war, I think, between the Indians and the uh, Cubs. Yeah, so far I'd say bad. Even if it's a small sample size, we don't it's, see a lot of bad luck with him. It just it's it doesn't obvious. look good. It's obvious from watching him play that that's, that's accurate, yeah. I mean, this it's this isn't Rocky's cargo anymore. It's just not. No, I. Again, I hate judging after a small sample size, but I just I don't see it getting much better. I personally it's, don't. It's a small sample size with the Cubs, but it doesn't really look any different than what he was doing before he joined the Cubs. Right. You know, the swing so just doesn't look right. Right. It's he's he just doesn't look like anything close to prime cargo anymore. It just looks frankly slower. Yeah, exactly. So hate to say it, but bad. Addison Russell, I'd say bad slash blah, kind of in the mediocre blah. At least he could play some defense. He started out hitting the ball hard, but lately not good at all. Uh, on the whole, he's 230, 296, 379. So, yeah, mediocre, blah, slash bad. That's where I'd put him. I think I'd put him in okay. Really? Yeah, I, yeah, I could see. I could see, you know, either way. I'm not, I wouldn't really put up too much of a fight either way. But I, I think that just going by the streakiness, I guess I would say okay. Yeah. I'd argue bad, but anyway, I think we're pretty set on our opinions could, there. Could part, of, could part of that also be the fact that we just don't like him as a person? I mean, that's definitely part of it, but you just look at what he's done recently. It's it's Oh, it's been ugly. The bat has been flying out of his hands more than the ball has been going. Hey, speaking Not of like the cargo at bat. Speaking of which, do the Cubs lead the league in bats let go? They have to. They've got to. You. What? What game was it when Cargo did it two pitches in a row? Did you remember that? Yeah. Was that against the Dodgers or was that against the uh, the Rockies? Because his old team was like giving him crap for it. He got booed the second time it happened. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's, uh... that's that's weird. That that happens so often for the Cubs. It's really weird. Get more pine tar. Exactly. All right, moving on. We both know it's bad. Daniel Descalso has been probably one of the worst position players in baseball. He is right now a zero, a negative 0.5 F war. I don't want to give you the batting stats because they're <sighs> awful, but oof. I know him. But man, he started so well. I he know. He started the year so well. And and nobody nobody thought that was going to keep. You know, we he wasn't going to be a 300 hitter. All year, obviously, but 
don't think anybody really expected this though either um yeah it's it's hard to argue with you there i Descalso's been pretty bad. He's been borderline unplayable, <laughs> I would say. And hopefully he just needs a little time off, get him out there fresh again, and he can be a serviceable depth piece. But so far, oh my God, it's like yeah. he's forgotten how to play this game. And we knew what he was doing wasn't going to last, but we didn't think it was going to be this bad. Well, and and we knew his defense wasn't anything special coming in, but we expected his his bat to be a serviceable backup. Yeah, but yeah, not great, but not not like this. No, nothing like this. Yeah, he's been bad. I don't. I I also don't think this is sustainable for him. I I just can't see how he could go any lower than this. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't go any lower. I don't see how it can. It's not really who he's been in his career. So, I mean, I suppose there's reason to believe he'll pick it up a little bit. Yeah, let's hope and hope that's sooner or later. And yeah, we've come a long ways from joking about him being, you know, the replacement signing instead of Bryce Harper when he was actually playing much better than Bryce Harper. And now... Oh, man, I I could put up Scalso's numbers at the plate now, hitting opposite hand. Ooh, yeah, it's ugly. Uh, So the last two guys I have on the list, it's Zagunis and Aducci. I pretty much put them bad slash non-factors. I don't think there's any... Oh, those guys don't even have any place on this list. Yeah, so... Yeah, they're not even relevant. So the I didn't really want to do bullpen. I just want to do starting rotation. And before we get into this, I think it is worth noting that uh, the injury to Kyle Hendricks may be a little more serious than we thought. He may not be back until after the All-Star break, which is not good because I put him as great so far. And I think uh, yeah. you could put him in either good or great, but I'd say closer to great. Yeah, he's he's somewhere in between good and great. Either way, that's all we wanted from him. And so, yeah, that's that's a real bummer if he's going to miss all this time because they need any bit of help they can get. Absolutely. Um, the best pitcher on the staff gets a great, and that's Mr. Cole Hamels, a 285 ERA. He's the only starter right now with a sub three ERA. Uh, what can I say? He's been great. Yeah, no argument there either. Cole Hamels has been pretty fantastic for the Cubs outside of a, a, a handful, you know, two or three pretty rocky starts. He's He's been just about their most consistent pitcher. I Maybe not quite as consistent as Kyle Hendricks because I think Cole Hamels is... I'd need to look at the stats, but I, I think that Hendricks probably has better home road splits than Hamels does. I, I don't know if that's would you just just from watching these games. That's what I would think that that Hendricks is a little more consistent at home and on the road than the rest of these guys. I don't know if if you would agree with that or not. Yeah, I'd have to look at the splits themselves. Uh, 
remember Hendricks had a few rough starts to start, but then really found his own. Uh, it's it's one of those things where Hendricks, if you look at what he's doing and you look at what Hamels is doing, Hamels misses some more bats in terms of swings and misses. Uh, he wrecked, well, that's wrecked just some more strikeouts. It's, it's styles, but... You know, at the end of the day, your job is to get outs, and that's what both of them have been doing. So I think it's fair to say both of them have been great. Yeah, those are the only two guys in the rotation that you could make the the great argument for. So here are a few controversial ones. Where do you put Lester? Because Lester started off very good, but we've seen a major dip. I, I think... put him in okay. I, I do think too. the mixture of great at the beginning and horrible now comes out to okay overall. I agree. I definitely agree. Then we get to Jose Quintana. I'd say okay. Okay, yeah. He's pretty much just been okay throughout. Had a very nice stretch hand, in April. Hand, but handful of good starts, but mostly just consistently okay. Yeah. Nothing terrible. Nothing spectacular outside yeah. that good run at the end of April. Yeah, it's been pretty vanilla. Now we get to Darvish. This one is tricky, but here's how I put it. I put it in blah slash okay, and the reason I put it there is the overall numbers do not look good, but I think things are trending upward. You look at the last handful of starts that Darvish has made, they look pretty good. I mean, look at the one that he had in L.A. that we talked about. He had a very odd start in Colorado. He had one inning blow up on him. Other than that, he was good. And then against Colorado at home, he looked very good. And then a few fluky things happened, and he was pulled a little early. But I'd say things are trending in the right direction. So he's yeah. not a good or great yet, but oh no, he's continuing he's, to move up. He's nowhere close to that. I'd... I'm going to go against the grain here on that a little bit, and I'm just going to say bad. Uh, but bad while acknowledging that he is trending in the dire- in the right direction. See, that's why I kind of put the it's, blah, not the bad. But, I mean, you consider the fact that he's the second most expensive pitcher in the history of the team, and it took him more than a season in to pitch at least seven innings. And he's sitting at like a 460, 470-something ERA right now at this point in the season. It's hard for me to say that that's anything other than just bad. I mean, if it, was, I any, if it was any other pitcher who had a 4-7 ERA at this point in the season with one or two or three good starts mixed in there, you'd have a hard time saying it was anything other than bad. So I think that I've got to be honest here and say that so far, overall body of work this year, bad. But trending in the right direction, certainly. Well explained. I think you defended your point perfectly there. And yeah, I think that's very valid. Very, very valid. I I could look at it that way too. That's why this one was a little hard. So, I mean, those are the guys I want to do. I really didn't want to get in the bullpen because that's pretty arbitrary. I think yeah. you could argue that Kinsler and Ciszek are the highest two and you'd rate them as good. You wouldn't put anyone in that bullpen as great. Hopefully Craig Kimbrell changes that, but You'd probably agree with that, right? Yeah. There yeah, we go. I was, I was really hoping we didn't have to talk about the bullpen 
for the nine millionth time. Yeah, I'm sick of it. Yeah, I, same, I, the next time same. I want to talk about the bullpen is when uh, Craig Kimbrell is throwing. Yeah. All right. Cool. Shake on it. Yep. Shake on it. That's settled. So let's move forward a little bit and look what the Cubs have in store. After they play the White Sox, they have four against the Mets and four against a very surging Atlanta Braves team. These are all at home, and then they go to Cincinnati to wrap out the month. I th- This is not going to be easy, but I think it's fair to say we should expect the Cubs to at least win that series against the Mets. If they can take three of four, I think we'd accept that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're not they're not playing any world beaters coming up. I mean, in the foreseeable future, really. I mean, they they start July against the Pirates who aren't, you know, they you can't necessarily chalk that up as as a guaranteed series win, but it's definitely a series they should win. Then they got a couple with the White Sox again, then it's Pirates again, Reds, Padres, Giants. I mean, those are all winnable series for sure and on paper the Cubs are better than all these teams, but they're also in the midst of a, a pretty big uh, ride on the struggle bus at the moment. But uh, it's you're, you're kind of right. None of these teams are, are garbage fire teams. Uh, they're not great teams, but they're, they're not the kind of teams that you can just take for granted either, that you can just no. say, oh, it doesn't really matter who's going or what they do. We're better, so easy wins just not the case they're kind of all these teams are kind of those tweener teams well that's the thing with the national league except for the braves except for the braves the braves are just a good team right now. yeah they're very good they're very good uh that's the thing with the national league if you're not the miami marlins you're at least going to put up a solid fight i would argue that a must series win has to be san francisco they've been playing better lately but overall they are not very good and well, that is coming up to the trade deadline, so they well, may be dealing some of their assets. That's what I was just going to say, is by the time they get to San Francisco, they might not even have Bumgarner or some of their better bullpen arms. Right. They, maybe one of those bullpen arms will be on the Cubs. You never know. Well, that's uh, kind of that's kind of the consensus, isn't it, that Will Smith is one of their top targets? Yes, and I'm not going to speak any marks. We agreed not to talk about the bullpen. Oh, yeah, true. I've already broken our... Whoops. Anyway, uh, the Pirates are so weird because they go through these stretches where they're slugging the ball and they're looking great. And then they go through these stretches where they look like the worst team in baseball. They are the most up and down team, I think, in this division and maybe in the whole league. And they honestly, I don't know, you wouldn't know it just because they're 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 a pretty ho-hum, less than mediocre team, but... I think they've got a legitimate MVP candidate right now. Are you referring to Josh Bell? I am. Because he's very good, yes. Yeah, he's he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He's already got 20 home runs, and he has 66 RBI. And we're not even to the All-Star break yet. Yeah, and he's having a the, great the, season. The only way you wouldn't factor him into that MVP discussion is just bias. Oh, you know, he's not... He's not a huge name yet. He's not a household name, I would say. No, he's not Cody Bellinger or Christian Yelich or Chris Bryant. No, but he's he's playing just as well as any of those guys, if not better. Yeah, I mean, barely. 
people are talking about. It. I, it's too I, bad. I, yeah, Ed Bellinger, I think, has is, is got the clear edge. Oh, I that, agree. In that race. But but Josh Bell definitely deserves to at least be in the discussion. At least, more than yeah, that. he deserves recognition. Yeah. For sure. So um, I'm going to be at a couple of those series. I'm going to be at the one against Pittsburgh that's Saturday. And then the next week after that one uh, in mid-July, I'm going to be at the Saturday game against San Diego. That is going to be a very interesting series. The San Diego Padres, even if they don't make the playoffs this year, they're not a, oh, circle them on your calendar. They're a must win. No, I mean, you got Manny Machado. You got Fernando Tatis Jr. uh, Austin Hedges is having a very good year. I think in that series, the key is obviously going to be to out hit them because Mm. their pitching is still a ways off. But that's not a that's not a gimme series anymore. I think even even Eric Hosmer has been playing really well lately. Yeah. So I think if the closest thing to a gimme series over the next calendar month, uh, at least in July, I would say is probably San Francisco. And that's a ways away. That's after the all-star break. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the reds too. I don't know. Uh, well, we, we haven't really beaten the reds and the reds Which makes just me swept think the Astros. I hope it'd be nice, but they're, I mean, e- either way, they are not a gimme team either anymore. No, definitely, got some firepower. definitely not. I, I don't really see any of those teams as gimme teams. I just don't, unfortunately. But I don't, I don't see them as games where the Cubs have their backs against the wall either. I mean, it's, no. it, it's kind of a weird stretch. It is. I think the hardest stretch, at least in terms of a week's worth, maybe next week because four of those games are against the Braves. Yeah, they, they just got to make it through that stretch i i think august looks like their easiest month actually yeah you look at how it starts it's it's a little difficult at the beginning you have Play the brewers uh, a bunch and that obviously won't be easy and it'll be hugely important but other than that they're playing the reds the a's and i guess they have the phillies but i mean they're, they're gonna get the giants again the, the nationals who just are terrible yep yeah, that's probably going to be your easiest stretch. And, and when you go into September, too. you get to play Seattle again. So, Yeah, man, how about Seattle? Yeah, and they actually they, they had sort of wild card-ish expectations at the beginning of the year, and I wouldn't have necessarily argued against that, but yeah. I mean, they're they're selling off everybody now. They've already sold off Jay Bruce. They're looking to ship off D. Gordon. I think they've sold a few other guys. I just haven't noticed. Arnacion. Yeah, he's with the Yankees now, which really pisses me off. Well, I'm just glad he didn't go to any team the Cubs are competing with. But I mean, let's face it, he was going to go to an AL team either way. It just makes me mad. It just makes me mad when any seller dweller is giving their assets to the Yankees. Give them to anybody else. Stop giving home run hitters to the Yankees. It's kind of that old saying where cellar dwellers like the A's, the Mariners, are like farm teams to the Yankees. Yeah, it's like the rest of the league is just the Yankees farm team. Hate it. And now they have Giancarlo Stanton back. They're going to have Aaron Judge back. So those guys are coming back together. And you had Edwin Encarnacion, who could still bomb the ball out of the ballpark. He's the Yeah, he's the American League home run leader. 
Yeah. So there you go. And you have that at Yankee so Stadium. Stupid. So Ooh. stupid. Yeah. That'll be well, something. They're, they're, they're pretty right-handed heavy lineup, though, aren't they? And that... The, yeah, you the, got the, Judge, the home, Stan, the home run, the home, the, the home run spot is that that short porch in right field, I think. Even so, but they've have, got Oppo power too. All yes. those guys do, so it's not like it's not like Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton aren't hitting home runs when they're healthy. And even if you don't hit it towards that home run porch, I mean that that stadium as a whole is hitter friendly. Well, and it, yeah, I mean. The balls are hitter friendly. I don't want to join, you know, the conspiracy theorists, but I'm pretty much convinced that this isn't a conspiracy anymore. I, I think the balls are juiced. Well, I mean, think about I just it. Don't, if it's a different I just manufacturer. It's got to be something different. Yeah. I just, I just don't see how you can explain this this massive surge in home runs. I mean, you've got, you've got pretty mediocre names. Hitting, being twenty home run hitters now for a season. It just there's no other way to explain it. And all these when guys the who are hitting say home runs, something hitting like four hundred foot bombs, a lot of the time. Like it's just, I'm I'm sold. I you I wasn't initially, but I'm sold on it now. I think the ball is juiced. When pitchers say there's something different with the ball, there's got to be something up. There's got to be. I think there is, and personally, I'm not really a fan of of the way that baseball the way thing is things are going now where it's home run or strikeout i i think there needs to be a little more balance than that more balance than there is I, i'm not a, a big fan of this all or nothing offensive game that we're seeing well i don't think it's going to be changing anytime soon um so unless they unless they did in the ball a little bit I just don't know if they're going to do that because a lot of people dig the long ball, so they're going to keep doing it. I, yeah, but they, do, they dig, do they dig this many strikeouts, though, too? Well, I, I mean, there you, needs you to got be a little more balance. Because it's, it's, when, when there's this many home runs, when, there, when it's just home run after home run after home run, it kind of loses its meaning. I mean, it's, it's just it, home runs aren't as meaningful anymore now. They're just kind of part of the norm. You know, it. When there was a little more balance to the game, a home run was really exciting because it was just a little bit more rare. But now it's, home runs aren't as exciting because they're happening just all the time. Yeah, that's the name of the game now. You swing up and you hit it further. I well, Who is it? Rich Hill? It was during the 2017 World Series, or was Justin Verlander. It was one of those pitchers involved in that series who just said this ball feels different, like something flips up. Verland- Maybe Hill was too, but I, 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 re- I do remember Verlander uh, tweeting that he yeah. believed the ball was juiced. And at I this mean, point now, I agree with him. I think it is too. I mean, look, Justin Verlander has been around how long? If there's something different, he would be one to know. Yeah. And we saw it in that World Series where it was. Home run after home run after home run, a very crazy game five. I don't even remember how many home runs were hit in that game, but it was a ridiculous number. I mean, then Tons. again, it's yet it's the short porch over there helps things. I can't remember who hit it, but it was in game five. Somebody on the Astros literally popped it up, 
he popped it up and it just it kept carrying into the Crawford boxes. I don't it wasn't remember Bregman, what it was. was it? Could have been. It yeah, I, been. I don't I don't remember either. It does it doesn't really matter, but yeah, it's something's up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so one other thing I wanted to touch on quickly with this Cub team is here's my question for you. Okay. Do you think that just not having Ben Zobrist in the clubhouse hurts it? Forget forget his playing. Do you think not having Ben Zobrist and or a David Ross slash Dexter Fowler type, even though you have guys like Rizzo as a leader and a few other guys, but do you think that just not having Ben Zobrist, that type of guy, has a negative effect just in the clubhouse? Oh, sure. Definitely. I mean, I think it really does. Yeah. On field play aside, missing a leadership role can make a big difference. I believe that wholeheartedly. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that could be a factor, not having Zobrist there, not just for his for his play, but for his leadership role. I mean, I, I do think that's a real difference maker for sure. So, yes, I think there's there's absolutely some validity to that. I think most fans would agree with you. I think they miss him a lot. The team misses him a lot. And he said at the beginning of the year, I want to be a more vocal leader. And it sounded like he was, obviously, before he left. And now we have the talks that he may be back later in the year, as indicated by Jed Hoyer on 670 The Score. I don't know if it's for sure or not. I don't think anybody does. I think Ben Zobrist really does want to come back and play again. I just hope it's not like too little too late because Ben Zobrist, if he does come back in late August, early September, he's going to go months without playing, probably not in the best shape. And the fact that he's almost 40 years old, I mean, just having him back will be a bonus just because of who he is. I just don't know how well he's going to do from here on out, which shouldn't tarnish his legacy in any way. His legacy is already set, but I'm just saying, if he does yeah. come back later in the season, I don't know how much we're going to get out of him. Well, there's there's two sides to that coin. There's, like you said, he's going to be really rusty because he hasn't played for a long time. But the, the flip side of that, though, also is that he is older and he's he's had a lot of rest now, too. And you have to think that if if he still believes, you know, if if he still believes it, and the team still hasn't said anything that he's not coming back, so you got to think that he's at least done some things to stay in shape over this period of time. So I I don't necessarily think that you, you know we we can conclude that he's not going to be worth anything on the field if he comes back. And I think there's there's going to be some rust to shake off, but at the same time, that fatigue isn't going to be a factor either. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he's going to do when he does, if he does potentially come back. I just think it's it's reasonable to wonder at this point. That's that's all I'm really trying to say. Yeah, I think that m- the most important thing at this point would just be having just his leadership presence in the clubhouse again. Yeah, for sure. I, there's nothing wrong with having him around and hopefully he comes back as soon as possible because like I said, I mean, the team really yeah. does miss him. I mean, we were, we were past the point of him being an everyday player anyway. So 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's just going to about do it. Wrap things up here on Climbing the Ivy. Adam, want to thank you, as always, for coming on. Hope you have a pleasant evening. The weather here in Chicago is not very good. I don't know how it is on your end. But, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, as always. Anytime. Just a reminder, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, and you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com and look at everybody's great content. We got a lot of great writers with Cubby's Crib. He's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next week.